Christian greetings to each one of you here this morning. The uh, reception outside wasn't near as warm here as it was in Puerto Rico a couple weeks ago, but the reception inside was just as warm, so uh, thank you for that. And as I was thinking about getting up here, I've thought about a lot of things that I want to say, and I probably won't say all of them that I want to say, but uh, a bit of nostalgia as I look out over the audience, I see people who were here in 1976 when we left here to move to South Carolina. And um, then I see people here who I grew up with in Mississippi back in the late 50s and early 60s. So now I'm telling my age. Leland and Alma, I grew up with them uh, in uh, Mississippi. And uh, so um, it's uh, interesting as I look out over the audience, and of course there are a lot of new faces that uh, I've never seen before, but uh, the blessing is that we can all come together, even though we don't know each other, we can know that we have a common unity through Jesus Christ, and that's the blessing of, of, uh, of uh, a setting like this. I want to um, speak this morning on the power of the Holy Spirit. And uh, <clears throat> um, I remember, some of you remember Father Simeon, who um, uh, preached here for many years, and uh, his style of preaching was very unique, as many of you remember that heard him. Uh, but he, I remember a sermon that he preached on power. I don't know if it was the power of the Holy Spirit, but it was on power, and um, and one example that he gave, and I'm probably going to embarrass uh, Claire and Lucinda here, but he said, you know, back in, in the 60s, they came out with DDT. And uh, some of you remember that. And, uh, but this was supposed to be a, an end to all the, the problems we have with insects and the, the pests and all that. And he says, whee! You think you had to go to a zoo to see a fly. And so... Uh, <laughs> That was his illustration of, of DDT. Well, they, they got rid of DDT. It didn't, it didn't stay around because it, it was too good, I guess, and uh, it was doing harm to other things. But, um, you know, we like, uh, we, we talk about power, and uh, we, we, uh, we like to uh, experience power. You know, when we're driving our car, we like to, you know, when we step on the gas, we like for it to go. We like to you know, be able to pass or, or you know, take off and, and uh, go. And, and uh, uh, my, my daily work is repairing cars, repairing vehicles. And uh, a lot of the problems we have is people come in and say, well, my car isn't running like it should. You know, the check engine light is on or, you know, when I go up a hill, it just is missing. And, and so um, that's my, our job is to, to repair the car, to get it back to, to where it has the power that it should. Uh, we, you know, when we use power tools, we like for them to, to uh, do the job. You know, we, we, uh, we like to get an 18-volt drill, and, you know, it, it drills through the wall or do, drills whatever we want to drill. And, uh, and so when we use tools, we like something that's powerful. Uh, you farmers, you know, when you get on a tractor and you put an implement behind it, you don't like for it to just be lugging and, and you know, and, and not pulling you like for that thing to pull and get down through the field and, and do the job. And so um, 
So power is something that, uh, um, you know, even the ladies in their kitchens, you know, when they use a power mixer or whatever, they like for it to, to do the job. Whatever it is, we, we, like for, uh, we like for that thing to do its work. And, um, and so, um, you know, the power, this power that I'm talking about is a power of cause and effect. Um, you know, you have uh, an engine that has X amount of cylinders and a certain amount of stroke going up and down, uh, X amount of fuel that is fed into the engine, and, and as you do that, you receive power from that engine, and uh, it powers your car or your truck or your tractor or whatever the case might be. And obviously, the bigger the engine, the more power it is like to, pr to produce. One of the largest engines that was ever built um, was 89 feet long, 44 feet wide, and uh, an incredible 25,480 liters. Um, this engine uh, delivered 107,389 horsepower and 7 million foot-pounds of, of torque. And uh, this engine was is used in ships to carry uh, shipping containers, like 11,000 shipping containers. And because of this engine, they can, they can get from China to the U.S. in uh, three days or quicker than a lot of other ships by using this particular engine. And so um, this is cause and effect. It's, it's, what, it's, what, uh, it's what happens when, when uh, you know, in, in building. And, and uh, engines have always amazed me how pistons can stop and start, and they can just do that um, for hours after hours after hours and, and continue to, um, to do the job. So what does this have to do with the Holy Spirit? How, does this, how is this related to the Holy Spirit? Well, we know that the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity who exercises the power of the Father and the Son in creation and redemption. Because the Holy Spirit is the power by which believers come to Christ and see with new eyes of faith, He is closer to us than we are to ourselves. Like the eyes of the body through which we see physical things, He is seldom in focus to be seen directly because He is the one through whom all else is seen in a new light. This explains why the relationship of the Father and the Son is more prominent in the Gospels because it is through the eyes of the Holy Spirit at, that the Father and Son relationship is viewed. The Holy Spirit appears in the Gospel of John as the power by which Christians are brought to faith and help to understand their walk with God. The Holy Spirit is the most powerful yet most untapped source of power known to mankind. You know, we talked about, I talked about all the, the power that, um, these engines and all these things and, and um, all the power that is available to us in the world in which we live. And yet, the Holy Spirit is the most powerful, yet most untapped power known to mankind. And unlike mechanical engines, which the bigger the engine, the more power it produces, the Holy Spirit can well be more powerful in a 20-year-old than in an 80-year-old. It all depends on how well the person is grounded in their commitment to Jesus Christ. If we want to be spirit-led, it will only be possible if we are spirit-fed. If we want to be spirit-led, 
It will only be possible if we are spirit-fed. And even though we don't have a cause and effect as we do with a mechanical engine, there is still cause and effect in that we have daily, we have to daily immerse ourselves in God's word and in time with him in prayer. And it is then that we will experience the power of the Holy Spirit. We can't buy it. We can't inherit it. We can't demand it. It comes through a very personal relationship with Christ. And I will tell you, there is nothing that can ever compare to the power of the Holy Spirit working in your life, guiding you, giving you the words that God wants you to have. The blessings and the confirmation that come from this relationship fills you as nothing else can. There was a man in, in uh, Acts chapter 8 that um, uh, we know the story. Most of us do, but let me, let me just turn there. Uh, Acts chapter 8, verse 9, there was a certain man called Simon who previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great, to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the greatest power of God. In verse 14, Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who, when they came down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them, they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them, and they received the Spirit, Holy Spirit. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands of the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also that, that anyone on, on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. And Peter said to him, Your money is perished with you because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. You have neither part nor portion in this matter. For your heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this wickedness and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. Then Simon answered and said, Pray to the Lord for me that none of the things which you have spoken may come unto me. And so, this can't be bought. The Holy Spirit can't be bought. And uh, Simon tried that and found out that it didn't work. And so... Um, the Holy Spirit is something that is given to us at the time of, of our giving our hearts to Christ. And uh, we are indwelled by the Holy Spirit. Unlike other kinds of power, we do not harness God's spiritual power. We yield to it in faith. Let me read that again. Unlike other kinds of power, we do not harness God's spiritual power. We yield to it in faith. The New Testament speaks of Christians being both indwelt and filled with the Holy Spirit. There is a difference between being indwelt and, and filled. This building is, uh, in the walls there's wires, and there's plumbing, and there's somewhere there's heating and air. You know, all, this building has all those things in it. But until you, uh, and so it, it's indwelt with electricity and plumbing and, and heating and air. But until you turn on the switch, it is not filled with that. When you turn on the switch, the light switches, this building is filled with light. The light radiates out. And so, you know, you can see, and, and it's, 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 a pleasant, it's a pleasant being, it's pleasant being here because of the light shining. And uh, the warmth is felt because of the, the heat coming through the through the uh, ducts for the uh, for heat, 
And when you go to the restroom, you turn the faucet on and the water comes out. Why? Because the, the pipes are indwelt with water. But until you access it, it does no good. It's of no avail. It's indwelt, but it's not filled. And so as we allow the Holy Spirit to, to fill us and, and direct us and guide us, you know, we may be indwelt by the Holy Spirit, but unless we allow him to fill us where he can use us, then we are not filled with his presence, and, and we are not a, a, an asset to, to him being within us. In John fourteen seventeen, it says, The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know for him, for he dwells in you <clears throat> and will be in you. And so we are filled with the Spirit as we yield our life to the Spirit's direction and to his power. If you wish to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you must yield your body, soul, and spirit to him so that he can work in and through you. Acts 4.31 says, When they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Now, let's go back just for a few minutes to the day of Pentecost. As, the, as Jesus' followers were together that day, um, I don't know what they were expecting. It was the day of Pentecost. But they had just come through the worst day of their life and the best day of their life. The worst day of their life was when Jesus was crucified on the cross. And they lost their best friend. The disciples especially. This was their teacher, their mentor. He was the one that they looked up to. They was, he was the one that, that they... Um, that gave them direction in life. And as he was crucified, they were like lost sheep without a shepherd. They were, they were like, well, what, what do we do now? Peter at one point says, well, you know, let's, let's go fishing. You know, we, we know how to do that. Let's go fishing. And then Jesus rose from the dead, and he appeared to them. And this is wonderful. But now they find themselves with Jesus being gone, and they're together at Pentecost and I don't know what they were expecting, but all of a sudden, in the room, it was like a rushing mighty wind. Now, I don't think there was. The Bible doesn't say there was a wind. It said the sound of a rushing mighty wind, and these clothes of fire came down and set upon their heads, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and that day, those people were changed dramatically. I mean, they were changed for life. They were changed. They're... they're what happened to them that day was they, it, 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 the, the puzzle all came together. The puzzle at this point, until this happened, it was missing a piece. There was a piece that wasn't there. And I'm, I, I don't think they quite know, knew what, what their direction was going to be from this point. But, you know, they, they, this piece was missing. But when the Holy Spirit came, that piece filled that puzzle. And there, it all came together. They realized what Jesus' ministry was, why he had to die on the cross, why he rose again. And now the Holy Spirit was dwelling within them that they could live their life and they could, they could build a church and they could testify. And, and Peter said, we, we can't help but, but testify of the things that, that we have seen and heard. All these things, we, we, we can't help but say, talk about them, even though they were thrown in prison and, and threatened. And here in Acts 4.31 it says, When they prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. 
Now, just imagine you're here at Bethany and you're, you're praying and you're, you're seeking God and, and all of a sudden you feel the building shaking. And I don't think here in Virginia you have earthquake tremors. If you were in Puerto Rico, you'd say, well, it was, a, it was an earthquake but, uh, or other places. And, you know, uh, there wasn't a dozer outside shaking the building. It was the power of the Holy Spirit that was shaking the building. And so um, I'm sure that this just increased their faith when this happened, that the, the, the uh, building was shaken and, and they were, they were uh, the power of the Holy Spirit was upon them and, um, and they were just really experiencing that power within their lives. A good friend of mine who is um, going on to his reward, uh, some of you may know him, Brother Earl Slaybaugh from Arkansas. He was a man who, um, I didn't know him that many years, but the, the, the uh, years that I did know him, uh, I really appreciated him very much. But um, he was one who was very sensitive to the Spirit's leading. And he told me an incident that happened uh, one time where a lady they knew was in the hospital and, and he and his wife went to visit her and she was basically on her deathbed. And she said, Brother Earl, I want you to preach my funeral sermon. And he said, I, yeah, I'd be glad to do that. So um, he went back home and they were having summer Bible school and, and uh, he'd heard that she passed away and he's like, I don't know if she told her family that they wanted me, she wanted me to preach her sermon, her funeral sermon. But he's like, you know, I'm just going to sit quiet. And so he was sitting in the class in, at the Bible school, and they were on folding chairs. And, and um, all of a sudden, he said, the Spirit said, Earl, go to this lady's house. And he said, I jumped up, and my chair flew back, and I made a commotion. I went out the door, I got in my car, and I drove over to her house. And he said, I pulled up to the yard, and this child came out and met me out there and took me by the hand and led me into the house. And he said, when I got in the house, these two ladies were sitting there. And, then, and one of them says, who in the world are we going to get to preach Mama's funeral? And the other lady looked up and says, that man right there. The timing was perfect. But that is a, that's an, an example of what God can do in our lives as we are spirit-filled and spirit-led. He can do those things in our lives. I think so often we try to take things upon ourselves, but, you know, if we just allow the Spirit to direct, um, He will do that. And so, um, you know, I have to ask my question, myself the question, you know, how, how much am I Spirit-led? How much am I allowing God's Spirit to direct my life? How much is he directing me in, in my everyday affairs? Um, a while back, um, my wife and I were in a neighboring town, and we were at, at our Arby's eating lunch. And, and uh, we saw a man and his wife and a couple children there, and, and um, they were, I noticed that they were getting food, but it, they were using some coupons, and it was obvious that they really didn't have much money. And so... Um, when they went out to the car, I noticed that their car was pretty old, and there was tape across the tail, the, the tail light, the one tail light, and it, you know, it was obvious that this couple didn't have a lot of money. And so um, my wife and I 
uh, were talking about it. And, and uh, anyway, we, we felt that we should go offer them some money. So I went out and uh, I told man, gave the man, man some money, and, and he said, he thought that, I thought that he had dropped it. He said, oh, I didn't drop it. I said, no. I said, you know, the Spirit just told me that I should give you this money. I went back inside, and we continued eating, and they, they, they left. They pulled out and left. And um, it wasn't long. Pretty soon they pulled back in. And he and his wife came in, came up to our table, and he said, what you did there was, was wonderful. He said, I, I just, you know, I can't believe that you would have done that. And so we prayed with them and asked God's direction on their lives. And, and uh, you know, that was, that was the end of that. But I say that to say that, you know, we need to be sensitive to the Spirit's direction. You know, uh, to, to direct us in, in what He wants us to do. Because there are many times that, that maybe we don't heed the Spirit's leading and we miss out on a tremendous blessing when we don't do that. God's Spirit not only directs us as we go through life, but He also comforts us. He is a comforter. Um, by the power of the Spirit is how we live the Christian life, but by the comfort of the Spirit is how we deal, deal with hardships that life throws at us. John 14, 16, 18 says, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be with you. I will not lead you orphans, I will come to you. The, the Greek word here uh, is paraclete, which suggests advisor, encourager, exhorter, comforter, and intercessor. The idea that the Spirit will always stand alongside the people of God, this Greek word is so filled with meaning that it is difficult to translate it into, the English, into an English word, into one English word. The Holy Spirit is the one called to be by our side, uh, called to our side by Jesus to help us, to stand by us, to strengthen us, and give assistance when needed. The Holy Spirit is the other helper, John 14, 16. Just as Jesus was a great helper while here on the earth, the Holy Spirit is now our helper if we desire his help. 2 Peter 1, 2-4 says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ, as his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Um, this great preacher said many years ago that uh, words are vehicles by which to transfer ideas from one mind to another. However, some ideas are so heavy that the words break down in that effort. What a blessed assurance it is to know that when words break down in our effort to transmit the deepest longings of our heart, we have the divine helper through whom these yearnings find their way to the mind of our Heavenly Father. I'd like to turn over to Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and 27. 
Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he that searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And so the Spirit is there. You know, sometimes the grief in our lives is so intense that we cannot function in our prayers to God as we should. And it's through those times that the Holy Spirit is there to comfort us, to minister to our needs, to, to bear our, our needs to the Father. So it's an assurance that we know that our, when our words break down, in our effort to transmit the deepest longings of our heart, we have the divine helper through the, whom these yearnings find their way into the mind of our Heavenly Father. So the Holy Spirit takes our, our inarticulate groanings and verbalizes them to the Father. Through the Holy Spirit of God who indwells you, a groan in your soul can be the most eloquent, eloquent prayer you have ever prayed. A groan in your soul could be the most eloquent prayer you have ever prayed. First Thessalonians 1, 2 through 6. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of, our, of God our fa and Father, knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power, and in the Holy Spirit, in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake, and you, have, and you became followers of us of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction and joy with the Holy Spirit. In conclusion, a person who is full of the Holy Spirit can be powerful witness, a powerful witness. But anyone who tries to do the Lord's work without the provision of the, the God's Spirit will be sorely dis disappointed. Dr. Paul Brand was speaking to a medical college in India on let your light so shine before men that they may behold your good works and glorify your Father. In front of the lectern was an oil lamp, and his cotton wick burned from the shallow dish of oil. As he preached, the lamp ran out of oil. The wick burned dry, and the smoke made him cough. He immediately used the opportunity. Some of us here are like this wick, he said. We're trying to shine the glory of God, but we stink. That, that's what happens when we use ourselves as the fuel of our witness rather than the Holy Spirit. Wicks can last indefinitely, burning brightly and without irritating smoke, if the fuel, the Holy Spirit, is in constant supply. How much of God's work do you attempt to do without his power? So I want to challenge each one of us to be aware of the Spirit's leading in our lives. Nothing that happens in our lives just happens by chance. God has everything happen for a reason, and there are many times if we are looking and aware that the Holy Spirit has things take place in our lives for a purpose and reason. Don't miss out on these things in your lives. May God bless us as we, as we serve him.